This is Women in the Bible Podcast. Today we are starting a new series called Season of Widowhood. Our topic for today is Orpah, Finding Life Purpose Again. Today, Deborah will be talking about Orpah, the widow of Killian, son of Naomi. During this series, she'll be talking about many different widows. And as she talks about Orpah today, I pray that you will be blessed and that God will reach out to all the widows who are listening to this. Deborah Shmini, an Africa's father, on this subject. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this series, and it is my prayer that you will meet every widow that will be going to this podcast, to the glory and to the honor of your name. In Jesus' name, Amen. I want to welcome you to the Women in Revival podcast. I'm praying you will find this particular series a blessing. Before we move on, let me quickly introduce you to our website, www.okofrighteousness.co.uk. Do feel free to visit the website and also you can contact us via our website. Our contact us page have every information that you need to contact us. I'm praying that this particular series, you will find it a blessing even for your own life journey. We are starting this series tagged Season of Widowhood, Lessons from Biblical Widows. My heart is to reach out to my fellow sisters, sisters in the body of Christ who are widowed. I had the opportunity to run um, a podcast some weeks or months ago, and one of the series it's a podcast that focused on married women. And one of the series was on widowhood. And it's amazing to me that out of the 11 series of the wife series, the particular ones on widowhood had so much visit. So it tells me the state of widows in the church that many of our sisters who are widows they are kind of left behind. We have ministries for married women, single women, mothers, and what have you. But it's as if we are not that um, concerned about our sisters who are widows. And to be honest with you, I am saying sorry on behalf of the church. In any way, we've neglected the widows. And this is not saying some Ministries are not reaching out to widows, not at all. There are many, many, many ministries that are reaching out to widows. So it dawned on me that widows are seeking, widows are searching. And this series is just dedicated to widows. And it is my prayer that you will find it an encouragement and for you to see that God has not finished with you. Season of widowhood. Widowhood is not a sickness. I want you to know that. The fact that you are a widow does not mean you are sick or you are misfortune. No, it is a season that you have come into. Every marriage on earth passed through that stage. It's only few marriages that both couples died on the same day. So widowhood is part of the season of life that married people will go through. Some enter that season quite early in life. Some are the later years. So whatever season of widowhood you are, maybe you entered 
at a very early stage of your marriage, or maybe it was at the later stage, whatever season you are in your widowhood, I want you to know God is mindful of you. So we are looking at season of widowhood, lessons from biblical widows. So what we will do is we are going to look at a few biblical widows and see one or two things that we can take from them. And I'm praying that the Lord will cheer up your heart and establish your heart in him. So on this first episode, let us look at Opa, finding life purpose again. Opa, finding life purpose again. And one of the challenges of widows is that after the death of their husband, the first concern is, well, they have no life purpose again, and what have you, or how will the future look like, you know, having lived with a man for a season, and all of a sudden it's just you. So there is that concern as you look into the future. Yet we are going to look at Opa and trust God to help you, so you can see that actually God still has a purpose for your life, finding life purpose again. So let's go to the book of Ruth. Chapter 1, verse 2, verse 4 to 5 and to 14. So I will read from the authorized version, the King James Version. And it says, Ruth 1, verse 2. And the name of the man was Elimelech, and the name of his wife Naomi, and the name of his two sons, Malon and Kilion. Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah, and they came into the country of Moab and continued there. I want us to Look at, to start from this verse too, just looking at the family history of the family Opa married into. So Opa married the son of Elimelech. So she married to the family of the Elimelech, the Ephratites of Bethlehem, Judah. So at this junction, we are meeting them. Now, if I now run to verse 4, so Elimelech and his family had moved down to Moab. Opa was a Moabite. She lived in Moab. So one of the sons of Naomi got married to Opa. And to be precise, she was the wife of Kilion. So one of the sons of Naomi married Opa. So now let's read from verse 4 to 14. It says, And they took them wives of the women of Moab. The name of the one was Opa, and the name of the other Ruth. So we are seeing the sons of Naomi married both Opa and Ruth. And they dwelled there about 10 years. And Malon and Chilion died also, both of them, and the woman was left of her two sons and her husband. Then she arose with her daughters-in-law, that she might return from the country of Moab, for she had heard in the country of Moab how that the Lord had visited his people in giving them bread. So we are meeting Opa now, who was the wife of one of the sons of Naomi. She was the wife of Kilion. So Kilion, her husband, passed away and she was left a widow. And it's as if life needs to start all over again for her. So for Opa, she was married to this man for at least 10 years or so. Six Naomi, the mother-in-law of Opa, decided to return back to his home country, going back to start life all over again. I'm assuming that you know the story of Opa and Naomi so well. So 
on her way back, the two wives decided to follow their mother-in-law back to Bethlehem, Judah. That's both Ruth and Opa. So while they started that journey, because this is where I'm going now, I want us to go and look at verse 8. And Naomi said unto her daughters-in-law, Go, return each to her mother's house. The Lord deal kindly with you, as he hath dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant you that he may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them, and they lifted up their voice and wept. And they said unto her, Surely we will return with thee unto thy people. So we are meeting them now, the three women. So Naomi said to both up and Ruth, Go back, go back to your people. And the Bible says they wept. Okay, now verse 11. And Naomi said, Turn again, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Are there yet any more sons in my womb, that it may be your husbands? Turn again, my daughters, go your way, for I am too old to have an husband. If I should say I have hope, if I should have an husband also tonight, and should also be a son, will you tarry for them till they were grown? Will you stay for them from having husband? Nay, my daughters, for it grieveth me much for your sake that the hand of the Lord is gone out against me. 14, and they lifted up their voice and wept again, and upper kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth craved unto her. So, we are looking at upper finding life purpose again. So, I know oftentimes we beat upper so much. I have done so many times, because the life of upper is quite pathetic, the choice she made. But as we look at this as a widow, you know, she was at that junction in life, to be honest with you, she was confused. And it's easy for a widow to be confused because she suddenly finds herself in a situation she probably wasn't planning for. So there are decisions, there are steps, there are things she needs to put in place again. She is going to start life all over again as a widow. So we are meeting even upper also. So at that junction in her life, she was looking forward to start a new life in Bethlehem, Judah. Maybe she wasn't very, she wasn't decisive. She wasn't sure if Bethlehem, Judah was where she should go. But she made that step to go. And unfortunately, her mother-in-law counseled her. And not only her, counseled her and her sister-in-law Ruth. And that counsel kind of compound even a reason to go back. And after this particular verse, chapter 1, verse 14 of Ruth, we never heard of Opa again. So how does this play down to you as a widow? My counsel and my encouragement to you as a widow, and particularly as a young widow, be careful, those that will be giving you counsel, for you to see life after widowhood again, the people who will be counseling you matters a lot. The people you relate with matters a lot. Some will come to counsel you aright indeed. Some will come to introduce people to you, you know, in order to have a new future, so to say, again. But looking at the story of Opa, the counsel of Naomi sent Opa back to the life she used to live, to the past she left behind, and that was it. She couldn't see any purpose in Bethlehem, Judah. 
she couldn't see herself thriving in Bethlehem, Judah, because her mother-in-law told her that, look, I don't have a child. How will you follow me? I am not followable and this and that. For you as a widow to find life purpose again, you need to look beyond yourself and you need to look beyond what you can offer yourself now and look to God. Any friendship, any relationship that help you to trust within yourself or anybody that wants to make themselves as the only way out for you, then you need to be careful. You can find life purpose again as you hinge your hope on the Lord. You know, Jeremiah 29, 11 is a very common verse we all know. It says, For I know the thoughts that I have towards you, saith the Lord, thoughts of good and not of evil, to give you a hope and a future. God has a future for your life as a widow. God has a hope for your life as a widow. God has a purpose for your life as a widow. And you can rise out of these ashes. God says, I will give you beauty for ashes. So don't let what people say or what people do not say, how people help or how people do not help you to keep you bound. God is the one that can give you beauty for your ashes. He is the one who can give you life purpose again. Finding life purpose is not in man. Yes, sometimes God does use men. He will send men to help. But ultimately, hang your hope on the Lord. Don't allow people to cancel you out of the purpose of God, out of the will of God. Like I usually say, if there's anything you want to engage yourself with, it's not just to be doing things for the Lord, but much more now to get into a better relationship with the Lord. For it is out of that that he will release you into his purpose for your life as a widow. And it is my prayer that you will be reminded that God has a purpose for your life. Again, there is still purpose for your life with or without marriage. Our life purpose actually is not embedded within marriage. Some of us will carry out life purpose within marriage, while some of us will not. Our chief purpose is to glorify God and to enjoy God throughout our lifetime. And the God who created you knows all that you need in life to fulfill his purpose, to fulfill his counsel for your life. Amen. Today, Deborah will be talking about how Ruth pursued purity even as a widow. And I pray that as you are challenged by the story of Ruth, that all the widows listening to this will indeed go and pursue purity also. Use your widowhood as a chance to pursue purity. Deborah Shinobi, Hermaphrodite Saga, on this subject. Thank you, Father God, for this service once again and the privilege you are extending even to our sisters 
I'm praying that this particular series will be a blessing in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome you back to the Women in Revival podcast. We are still on the series, Season of Widowhood, Lessons from Biblical Widows. And I pray that you find it a blessing. It's a kind of outreach to widows, our sisters in the body of Christ who are widows. And yesterday we looked at upper finding life purpose again. The whole idea of this podcast is to look at various widows from the Bible and see what we can learn from their life as we explore various aspects of their individual life. So we saw Opa yesterday who was seeking life purpose and she found an older woman who was actually a widow to follow. But unfortunately, because even Naomi herself did not find a full identity in Christ, so she looked at herself and discouraged the art of this young widow called Opa, and she went back. She couldn't find purpose in following Naomi nor in going to Bethlehem, Judah. But Ruth, her sister-in-law, persevered and went ahead. And we were saying, be careful who your counselors are, who are the people that are talking to you or that you are talking to about the steps you need to take in life. Seek God's face. And obviously, I'm not saying don't have people who can help you, particularly if you're a young widow. You do need the input of godly older people. And I pray the Lord lead you to one. So today, if you want to catch up on the episode for yesterday, you can go back to our website, www.oakofrighteousness.co.uk. And there you will also find our contact us page. Do feel free. To contact us. Today, I want us to look at Ruth pursuing purity as a widow. We want to look at the person of Ruth, the sister-in-law of Opa. So we want to look at Ruth considering you as a widow pursuing purity. Because I know one of the challenges for of widows is the matter of purity, sexual purity, moral purity, because you are no longer under the leadership of a man. So the possibility for widows to go immoral is high, particularly if they are not fully grounded in the Lord. So we want to look at the person of Ruth and trust God to help you to have a good hold on moral purity, sexual purity, and every form of purity, even in the presence of God. I'm praying again that as you look at the life of Ruth, we can only look at something brief about the life of Ruth as we consider the matter of purity. So let's go to Ruth chapter 2 and we read verse 8. And it says, Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Hearest thou not, my daughter? Go not to glean in another field, neither go from hence, but abide here fast by my maidens. So here we are meeting Ruth now. She has journeyed with Naomi to Bethlehem, Judah. So she's left Moab. She has left her land of idolatry, now in the land of Bethlehem, Judah. And while in Bethlehem, Judah, she went out to glean from the field, and she was in the field of Boaz. So while in the field of Boaz, she and Boaz had a conversation, because Boaz was asking, who is she, and all of those. So Boaz then said to Ruth that, look, 
don't go and glean in another field. And I think this is where I want us to first focus on as a widow. The desire to glean, the desire to know, the desire, you know, to be up to date could be there, isn't it? But how do you trust God to guide your life aright? Where you glean from matters. You know, yesterday we we're talking about the life of Opa, the counsel of Naomi, you know, took her back, even though she herself was undecisive, isn't it? So for you as a widow, whether you are a young widow or an older widow, it is very, very important, the company of the people you keep. Do you have fellow widows whom you can go both encourage each other in the Lord? Do you have fellow sisters in the faith whom you can both fellowship together in the Lord? So Boaz said to Ruth, don't go and glean in another field. Don't let widowhood take you from the field of the Lord and now be seeking friendship amongst unbelieving women. You know, sometimes the possibility for widows to start a lifestyle of partying, a lifestyle of immorality, you know, having men friend, boyfriend and the likes is very high, particularly if such widow is not God-fearing or if such widow is not really rooted in the Lord. So where you glean matters a lot. Even the church where you fellowship matters a lot. Because nowadays we have churches that encourages all vices. So where you glean, the field that you are gleaning from matters a lot. Boaz said to Ruth, don't go to another field to glean. Don't go from here. Abide with my maidens. So I am saying that in order to maintain moral purity, sexual purity, I am not denying the fact that you will have sexual need. But if you subject and submit yourself unto the Lordship of Jesus Christ, self-control is part of what Jesus gives, is part of the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Hence the reason why the company you keep are not even the, just the company of physical human being. The activities you get yourself involved in. What are the type of movie you watch? What are the type of website you visit? What are the type of website you browse? What are the type of things you engage in? Do you engage in things that will arouse you sexually? Do you engage in things that will um, encourage moral impurity? So these are the things you need to look at. And I believe there is the need for you to put a boundary around your life. What to watch and what not to watch. You know, I was talking with one of my girls. I just love this girl. I love my children. And... One of them, I love, she's very real and she believes faith must be practicable. So we were talking and she was saying to me, I can't remember what we were talking about. And she was saying, you see those movies that they write 18 plus. If I were people, I won't go and watch it. For them to write 18 plus, then there's something fishy about it. That means there is something that takes away your innocence from it. So if I were everybody, any movie, anything they write 18 plus, don't go near it. And I was thinking within me that what a wisdom indeed. So for you also as a widow, you need to have boundaries. You need to have standard. You need to make up your mind. The movies you will never watch. The TV shows you will never watch. Even some news content you won't sit down and listen to. You need to 
trust God to help you to gather around yourself godly people who can look you in the eye and say, look, you are going off course. So Boaz said to Ruth from the Good News Translation, for example, it says, walk with the women here. So walk with Christian women, godly women, women who are following the Lord. And now if we look at chapter 3 of this book of Ruth now, let's look at verse from verse 8, if I'm correct. Let's look at verse 8 to verse 11. So let's look at verse 8 to 11. And it came to pass at midnight that the man was afraid and turned himself and behold, a woman lay at his feet. Now we are meeting Ruth now. Whom is our mother-in-law directed her as to how to find a family kinsman, having found one, how to approach him according to the Israelite law. So Ruth was now at the feet of Boaz. And verse 9, and he said, Who art thou? And she answered, I am Ruth thy handmaid. Spread therefore thy skirt over thy handmaid, for thou art a near kinsman. And he said, Blessed be thou of the Lord. This is what I want you to focus on. Now, you can go on our website, okofrighteousness.co.uk. We've done a series in the past on the life of Ruth. So you may want to look at how it deals with all this deeply. So here, I won't be dabbling into many things. I just want to pick out the matter of purity. So it says, verse 10, and it said, Blessed be thou of the Lord, my daughter, for thou hast shewed more kindness in the latter end than at the beginning. In us mother followeth not young men, whether poor or rich. Are you saying verse 11? And now my daughter, fear not. I will do to thee all that thou requirest. For all the city of my people doth know that thou art a virtuous woman. This is the testimony that you want to keep. This is the testimony that you want to maintain. That a man can look at you as a widow and say we know you. You are a widow with a difference. You are a widow with a difference. So here is Ruth in Boaz's house. And Boaz said, you are a woman of good testimony. You've done so well. You are not messing about with men, either young or old, either poor or, or rich. You are a virtuous woman. If Ruth could maintain moral purity, sexual purity, and I'm telling you, the stake is also high for you. You can maintain moral, emotional, sexual purity, and every form of purity that God is expecting from you. That means your relationship with the opposite sex. You need to weigh it. Is it right for you to be alone with a male? Your manner of dressing, does it portray you as a virtuous widow? Or does it make you susceptible to molestation from the opposite sex? While I'm not saying the way a woman dress should give a man a reason to molest her, but are you also sending invitation to men? So there are quite many things that you need to look at as a widow that seek moral purity, sexual purity, emotional purity, and any and every form of purity. I'm praying that the Lord will help you, that indeed you will be as root, whose testimony in Bethlehem, Judah, was wonderful. She did not mess about. She did not go about either with the young or old, with the poor or rich. She maintained moral purity. And you can, through the help of the Holy Spirit. 
Now, Philippians 4 says, in conclusion, my friends, this is the good news. Fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise. And this is where I want to leave you with. Moral purity, emotional purity, sexual purity, all of this. Everything starts from the mind. That's why that scripture in Proverbs 4.23 says, guard your heart with all diligence. So guide your mind. Guide the things you feast your eyes on. Guide the things you allow your ears to hear as a widow. For what you hear, what you see, have the power to determine what your emotion will be. So it says, fill your minds with those things that are good and that deserve praise. Fill your mind with the word of God. Fill your mind with messages that will build you up as a Christian widow. And it goes on. Things that are true, things that are noble, things that are right, things that are pure, things that are lovely, things that are honorable, just as we have seen concerning Ruth. Christ can help you to be a widow that pursue purity all around her. But the company you keep, the places you go, the choices you make will all determine whether you will keep moral purity, who you are, whom you belong to. As a child of God who is a widow, you know you belong to the Lord. So this affects your relationships. It affects the places you go to. You won't be one of those widows that keep partying every week in, week out. You wouldn't be doing that. Because the moment you turn yourself to a partying widow, before you know it, they are introducing you to man friends, introducing you to all sorts of people and what have you that may defy even your purity. So it is my prayer that whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue and if there be any praise, you as a widow will think on these things so that you can remain morally pure emotionally pure, sexually pure for your bridegroom, Jesus. Amen. Thank you, Father God, for this series again. As we continue, I'm praying that you will put a blessing upon this series, even as we listen in Jesus' name. Amen.
I want to welcome you back to the Women in Revival podcast. We are still on the series, Season of Widowhood, Lessons from Biblical Widows. We've looked at the life of Opa and Ruth. We saw finding life purpose again as we looked at the person of Opa. And last time we're looking at Ruth maintaining moral, emotional, and all kind of purity that is expected of you as a Christian widow. If you've missed any of the episode, please do go back to our website, www.oakofrighteousness.co.uk. So today, I want us to look at the widow of name, raising sons as a widow. I know there are challenges for widows who are raising sons. There are challenges, and we cannot shy from this. We know it takes a father to raise a son, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying a woman cannot raise a son. There have been women who have single-handedly raised sons. But if they will tell you, they will also tell you that God raised secret fathers, so to say, for their sons to help shape and model Christ even to their sons. So one of the challenges that widows face is that of raising sons after the demise of their husbands. So as we look at this story of the widow of Nain, I want us to look at it from that perspective. So we are going to go to the book of Luke now, chapter 7, and we read from verse 11 to 15. And I think this time I will read from the Good News Translation. And it says, Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town named Nain, accompanied by his disciples and a large crowd. Just as he arrived at the gate of the town, a funeral procession was coming out. The dead man was the only son of a woman who was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart was filled with pity for her and he said to her, don't cry. Then he walked over and touched the coffin and the men carrying it stopped. Jesus said, the young man, get up, I tell you. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. So I don't know where you are in your motherhood journey as a widow. Maybe you have been weeping and crying over that son of yours. There is hope in Christ Jesus. This widow that we are meeting in Luke chapter 7 had experienced what it means to grieve. She had grieved the death of her husband. And here now we are meeting her again, facing another grief. There was a funeral procession going on, the Bible says. It was the death of her only son. And what touched me is the fact that the people in the town they could only sympathize. They couldn't help her. And such is the situation of many widows. Sometimes you have sympathizers all around you, but they can't help you regarding the upbringing of your son. Yet, I believe God has positioned in the church fathers, godly men. I know one of the challenges that I have seen in the church is a lack of men who are willing to take up the discipleship of younger men. You know, there is a book my daughter was asking me that myself and my husband should read. 
I've bought the book for long for years now, but it's, it's it's just there in the box. So, uh, she likes reading. So I think she read the book before she took it again. And she said, "You and Daddy needs to read it. It's a book called The Man in the Mirror. Is the ministry of a man who labored in discipleship over mill men. And you know, this is something that is very scarce. We have many who are preaching. We have many male preachers. We have many male encouragers, many male motivational speakers, but we have few male disciples, those who are taking hold of young men to help them grow in the faith, to oversee them, to walk life with them. You know, it goes a long way if our young men begin to find such men. So we find the story of this widow of Nain, whose only son, is, was dead. And maybe your own son also is your only child or the only son that you have. And the lifestyle choices that this young man is making is killing him, both physically and spiritually. Maybe yours has actually gone down the drain. Maybe yours is into fag. Maybe yours is drug dealing. Maybe yours is doing things that he ought not to do. I want to encourage you. There is hope. And maybe you as a widow, maybe you are still a young widow. Your own son is quite young. Can I advise you? There is the need to point that son of yours to a godly man. Could be your brother who will help that son to understand biblical manhood. So, this woman's son was dead, and all the crowd could do was to sympathize with her. But the Bible says when the Lord Jesus saw this widow, Jesus had compassion on her. Jesus had pity for her. And as a widow who is single-handedly raising your son, I want you to know Jesus can identify with you. Remember, he is the only son of his father also, until he came and laid down his life for us so that we can be his brethren, so that he can be our big brother amongst many brethren. So he understands what it means to be an only child. So Jesus understands the challenges, the difficulty you are facing in raising your son as a widow. But like I said, look into the church. Approach your pastor. Approach your youth teacher. Tell them you need help in the biblical brazing of your son, whatever little support they can give. It might mean going to Diazm for a weekend or spending some hours with them, sometimes a week where they do life together. Not just read Bible alone. So sometimes it might mean just going in the wood with him, you know, just doing things together as male to male. Seeing a godly male role model to follow. You know, just like Timothy and Paul, or Titus and Paul. God still have his pause even in the church today. They may be rare, they may be scarce. God can raise for us, and God is still doing it. Those who are not only teaching, but who are having extra time to say, I want to invest in your life. Some of them have the time to visit these young people while in uni. Some of them are asking, what are you doing? Those in secondary school, even those in primary schools, they are saying, okay, what are you? Let me see your addition. 
So they are seeing the father figure, even though they don't have an earthly father. So invest in such relationship. Approach your brother if your brother is in the Lord. Ask them to play that role even in your son's life. Don't let your son grow without the input of a man in his life. So the Lord Jesus saw this woman and he had compassion on her. And Jesus said, don't cry. And I don't know how often you've wept and cried over your son. Maybe you and your husband raised this boy in the Lord and it looks as if he's making wrong choices now. Jesus says, don't cry. Another thing that I believe the Lord wants you to do is you need to pray. Go on your knees for that boy. Don't stop praying. Keep praying until you see the results over his life. So in verse 14, Jesus walked over and then touched the boy's coffin. And those who were carrying the boy, they stopped. And Jesus spoke, you young man, get up. And what happened? He arose, he stood up. The dead man stood up and he began to talk. And Jesus gave him back to his mother. And I'm praying that Jesus will do likewise for you. He will give you back your son. He will give you back that boy that the enemy seemed to have taken hold of. The Lord will give you wisdom. And also, I think another thing to also look at is, what gap do I also create as a brother that give the enemy room? Sometimes it may be that um, you don't necessarily have much time for your son. You know, maybe you are busy with many things as a single mother now. You know, you have the sole responsibility of the upkeep of your children on you. And I know, so that means walking extra, going up and down, what have you. Then you can trust God, honestly, to meet your need while you are there for your children. And I do know that even though you might be there, children still make wrong choices, isn't it? But that is where praying still comes in. Praying for that child, maybe choosing a day in a month, maybe his birthday, maybe he's born on the second of so-so-so month, you can dedicate every second of the month to seeking God's face for that son of yours. Trusting Jesus to touch him, to change him, to restore him to himself. And the Jesus who stepped into the situation of the son of this widow of Nain is able to step into the situation that you are facing in the upbringing of your son. Don't lose heart. Be encouraged. In Osea chapter 1 verse 10, it reads, says, The people of Israel will, come, will become like the sand of the sea, more than can be counted or measured. So God is speaking of that which look impossible. It is God who will do it. And God says, now God says to them, You are not my people, but the day is coming. When he will say to them, you are the children of the living God. So it may look as if your child is becoming difficult, becoming dead to to, to the things of the Lord, becoming dead to a relationship with the Lord. God says, don't worry. You persevere in prayer and admonition. That same son that is not the Lord today, don't worry. He will become a child of God. And Isaiah 64, as I close this, says, Look around you, woman, and see what is happening. Your people are gathering to come home. Your sons will come from far away. Your daughters will be carried like children. 
So God says, don't worry. You look to me. That son will come home again. That son will come back to the Lord. Your groanings, your prayer, your fervent and effectual prayer over that son will not go in vain. The God who stepped into the situation of the widow of Nain is still the God that you are serving and he is there to help you. Find help in other men in the church, godly men, and approach youth pastors if your child still comes to church. But if the child has wandered away, go before the Lord in the place of prayer. The heart of king is in God's hands and he can turn it wherever he desires. Amen. Our Heavenly Father, thank you so, so much. Having brought us here again, um, it is my prayer that you will speak and that we will hear in Jesus' name. Amen. So, I want to welcome you back to Women in Revival podcast. We are still on the series, Season of Widowhood, Lessons from Biblical Widows. So, we have been taking a few widows to just look at as case study and I'm praying that the little we are just scratching about the lives of these widows will be a blessing to your life encourage you and be a widow with a purpose last time we were looking at the widow of Nain whose only son was dead and Jesus stepped in and the Lord was encouraging you as a widow that is single and deadly raising his son that there is hope for you don't raise your son without hope. There is hope. And seek help within the body of Christ. There are still godly men who can support and help your child to grow well in the faith. Um, tonight, today, 
Before we move on, do feel free to go back to our website www.oakofrighteousness.co.uk There you will find any series or episode that you may have missed. So let us look at Zarephat widow, the widow of Zarephat, finding relevance and sustenance in God. As one of the challenges, again, that widows usually face is that of sustenance, is that of relevance. And I want you to know that our relevance first as children of God is in Christ Jesus. Without him, we have no relevance. Our sustenance must be in him. So hence the reason why we want to look at the life of this widow. Without any shadow of doubt, there are practical needs that you will have as a widow. The upkeep of your family, your own personal uh, personal upkeep, because maybe before the death of your husband, both of you were working and you were able to support each other. Or maybe you were actually a full-time housewife, not working. And now it's as if, wow, this is reality. But I want to encourage you that all hope is not lost. Our God is still the God that cares for widows. He is responsible. If you look through the pages of the Bible, you will see how God cares so much about widows. He is the defender of widows. He is the supporter of widows. He is the one that provides even for the need of widows. And he is able to do so for you, even as we look at the story of this widow of Zarephath. So let's go to 1 Kings 17. And we are reading from verse 7 to 16. This time, I will read from the King James Version. And it says, And it came to pass after a while that the brook dried up, because there had been no rain in the land. Now, we are meeting this story now. This is when Elijah had told Ahab that there will be no rain in Israel and what have you, and that for the next three years. So, in verse 7, where Elijah was getting supply from became dry. So now let's look at verse 8. The Bible says, And the word of the Lord came unto him, saying, Arise, get thee to Zarephath, which belongeth to Zidon, and dwell there. Behold, I have commanded the widow woman there to sustain thee. Are you, are you saying, this is irony, isn't it? A widow to sustain a man of God? A widow without a man? How can she do that? But that is the wisdom of God because it is not going to be the ability of the widow that is going to sustain Elijah. It is God, the sustainer, who will sustain both the widow and Elijah. So now verse 10. So he arose and went to Zarephath. And when he came to the gate of the city, behold, the widow woman was there gathering of sticks. And he called to her and said, Fetch me, I pray thee, a little water in a vessel that I may drink. And as she was going to fetch it, he called to her and said, Bring me, I pray thee, a morsel of bread in thy hand. And she said, As the Lord thy God liveth, I have not a cake, but an handful of meal in a barrel, and a little oil in a cruise. And behold, I am gathering two sticks that I may go in and dress it for me and my son that we may eat it and die. Do you see the hopelessness of this widow of Zarephath? That was the last meal she had. She had. And she was just gathering, see that, let's eat this. This is the last hope. Let's eat 
and die. So humanly speaking, there was no hope of sustenance for this woman. She herself was expecting that their death was around the corner. But with God, no. God was planning something beyond our ability for her. So now from verse 13, And Elijah said unto her, Fear not. Go and do as thou hast said, but make me thereof a little cake first, and bring it unto me. And after, make for thee and for thy son. For thus saith the Lord God of Israel, The barrel of meal shall not waste, neither shall the cruise of oil fail, until the day that the Lord sendeth rain upon the earth. And she went and did according to the saying of Elijah. And she and he and her house did eat many days. And the barrel of meal wasted not, neither did the cruise of oil fail, according to the word of the Lord, which is spake by Elijah. You see, God sent Elijah to that widow, not because God did not have what it takes to sustain Elijah. God actually allowed the brook of cherry to dry so that the widow of Zarephath can experience the surplus of God. Elijah could have gone to any other place. God could have used another means, honestly, to feed Elijah. But because God wanted to meet the need of this Zarephath woman, whose situation was hopeless, who was expecting to eat her last meal and die. So woman, as a widow, maybe what you have in your bank account cannot even sustain you in the next couple of days, for the next couple of days. Take your eyes, take your hope from what you have. I that I'm speaking to you here, I have experienced the divine provision of God beyond my imagination, honestly. I've seen God arrange delivery that I never expected. There was this story, I think it was during the lockdown. There was a sister who called me and asked that, do you need anything from this so-so-so shop? And I said, yes, I will let you know when I need them. She said, okay. So a few days after, I, I was chatting the person on WhatsApp that, yes, this is the day that I need those things. Now nah, She said, send me your list. And you know, I was putting all my lists together, sending them to her. And she saw all the list and said, okay, this is good. Do you have anyone coming to London who can bring them down for you? And I was like, oh, no, no one as of now. And then she said, don't worry. I'll probably arrange a taxi to bring it down. So while we are chatting on that on the phone, then someone called. This was my pastor's wife. She was in London. She didn't tell me anything. We haven't seen for, I don't know, for how long. She didn't call me. If she had called and said, look, I'm going to so-so-so place, you know, we would have said, yeah, we arranged it. Not knowing, and she lived in another town from my town. And she was now in the same shop that I needed something from in London. So while she was there, she was already in the shop. She just called me while I was chatting with the lady that was arranging things for me there. So she called. Oh, I was like, okay, maybe I, will, I won't pick up the call. I'll call her later. But I just felt, no, after all, it's chat. I'm chatting so I can still talk. Then I picked up the phone and I picked up the phone and talked to her. And she was saying, oh, how are you? I'm just calling to ask. Do you need anything from this shop? I'm there right now. Wow. You can't tell me that is coincidence. That was God who arranged that. 
And that was how things were resolved miraculously. The God who did that for me is able to do it for you. I have learned honestly in the last nearly 10 years of my life. I'm married. I've got my husband at home. But our circumstance changed nearly 10 years ago. I took role and responsibility in my home. So my husband is not in a situation to play his role anymore. But I've experienced God as a faithful husband. If he can do that for me, he can do much more than that for you. So God saw the need of this Zarephath widow. And God arranged that Elijah would be a guest in our house, not to punish the widow, but rather to sustain her throughout the famine that will be going through the land. I don't know what your story is. I don't know. Maybe your husband has been the breadwinner and all of a sudden things have changed now. Put your hope in God. God, who is the husband of widow, is able to sustain you. Even later on in this story, in this first King 17, when the son of this widow died, did you know God brought him back to life again? As I leave you today, I want you to know that the God who sustained the widow of Zarephath, the God who granted our relevance to be part of those who will contribute to the life of his prophet, even though she had nothing, that same God is able to bring, to make you relevant in his plan, in his purpose. I thought that was life. That was the end of my life some nearly 10 years ago. I thought, oh, we could never be useful in ministry anymore. I thought we could never be this. We could never be that. I thought that was the end. But no, I have found deep relevance in the Lord. And the Lord has brought people from far and wide. Oh, I, this is not the time to be sharing my testimony with you. So as a widow, See the Lord as your husband. If he can sustain me, who became a sole carer for my own husband, do you think he cannot sustain you? Yes, he can. He who met the need of this Zarephat widow he is faithful to meet your need. Don't make yourself an irresponsible woman. Don't go about messing about with men. Don't go about doing things in shady ways. Don't go about doing things in illegal ways. You can trust God and God can sustain you and also grant you the privilege to be relevant in his plan and in his purpose. Amen. about the widow of the prophet, who you probably know her story. This woman had two sons and she was in deep debt, which her husband had left when he died. And she couldn't pay it off. In those days, she couldn't work. And even the small money that she would have been able to make would not have been enough to pay off the debt. So her two sons were going to be taken by the debtor 
and she would probably have to go into debtor's prison. And this woman was at the edge of the brink. Her husband was dead, but her redeemer still lived. And that redeemer who helped her, who provided oil for her to sell and jars, oil that never ran out but kept on flowing until there was enough to fill all the jars. And then she sold that oil and received enough money to pay off her debt. That redeemer, that same redeemer that provided for that widow, still alive today. And he will provide for all the widows who come to him for help. This widow was helped when she came and asked the prophet for help. Sister, maybe you are a widow who is suffering, who has recently lost her husband and needs help to buy food, needs help to pay the bills. Go to your Redeemer who still lives, the same Redeemer who was there for that widow. That same Redeemer is here today. He's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. Debrashnidi will now take a further on this subject. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for all you have been sharing your thoughts with us throughout this series. I am praying that you will yet speak to us again. In Jesus' name, Amen. So I want to welcome you back to the Women in Revival podcast and particularly to this series, Season of Widowed, Lessons from Biblical Widows. I'm praying that you will find this series a blessing and a great encouragement. I've come to realize that widows are seeking resources here and there. Widows seem to be left out in the church, yet God wants to meet the need of widows. And I know there are ministries that are actively ministering to the need of widows, both physical need and even spiritual needs. But I have found out that widows are seeking to see what does the Lord have to say to us too. So I'm praying that this series will be a little bit of encouragement to you as a widow. The Bible has a lot to say about widows. The book of Proverbs, the book of Psalms says a lot about the widows and the orphans. So God cares a lot for widows. Don't think you are fatherless. Don't think you are without a husband. The Lord himself is your husband and he will give you surprise beyond your imagination. Last time we saw the widow of Zarephath who found relevance and sustenance in God against our hope, against our thoughts. God surprised her. And that God who stepped in for the widow of Zarephath is still the God of today. And he's willing to step in for you also. Remember, you can go back to our website, www.oakofrighteousness.co.uk and there you will find this episode, this series that we are running, the episodes that you might have missed will all be on our website. On our homepage, just scroll down, you will see our recent podcast or if you go on our WIR podcast. And for those of you who are young wives and mothers or wives and mothers generally, we have a sister website called www.youngwifeyoungmother.focusgroups.org.uk so visit that website. It's a new website and it's a website with work in progress. So today, remember you can contact us on plus four four seven nine four four three nine eight four one five or on our website. You will get all the details needed to contact us. Do feel free to contact us, maybe for support for whatsoever. Please do feel free 
to give us a call or send us an email. Now, today we want to look at the widow of the prophet, the widow of the prophet that redeemer liveth. The widow of the prophet that redeemer liveth. So let us go to Second Kings chapter four, and we take it from verse one to verse seven. And I'm reading this time from the Good News translation. You see, I've been shortening between Good News and the King James Version. And I will read. It says, The widow of a member of a group of prophets went to Elisha and said, Sir, my husband has died. As you know, he was a God-fearing man. But now, a man he owed money to has come to take away my two sons as slaves in payment for my husband's debt. What shall I do for you? He asked. Tell me, what do you have at home? Nothing at all, except a small jar of olive oil, she answered. Go to your neighbors and borrow as many empty jars as you can. Elisha told her, Then you and your sons go into the house, close the door, and start pouring oil into the jars. Set each one aside as soon as it is full. So the woman went into her house with her sons, closed the door, took the small jar of olive oil, and poured oil into the jars as her sons brought them to her. When they had filled all the jars, she asked if there were any more. That was the last one, one of her sons answered, and the olive oil stopped flowing. She went back to Elisha the prophet who said to her, Sell the olive oil and pay all your debts, and there will be enough money left over for you and your sons to live on. May the Lord bless his word as we think about it again. So here we are meeting this widow who was the wife of a minister. Maybe you are a pastor's wife and your husband passed away and all of a sudden you are a widow and with the congregation in your hands. There is hope for you. One of the first things that struck me in the story of this wife of the widow was that when the debtors came to take her sons away, she went to a disciple, so to say. She went to prophet Elisha. As a wife of a pastor, or as a wife of a minister, or as a widow, generally, do you have someone that you can turn to, a godly person that you can seek for godly counsel? As you know, one of the common things with widows is the matter of debt indeed. Sometimes widows get into debt because they don't call their coat according to their size. I'm sorry to say this, but sometimes there are widows, maybe in the third world countries, you invest in things that honestly you shouldn't invest into. You double into things that you shouldn't double into. Not even in the third world country, even in the civilized world. So as a widow, you find yourself in debt. Maybe it is actually the debt of your husband. Some have maybe mortgage to pay. Some have loans to clear and what have you. And as real as this may be, I want you to know your God is actually more real than this debt. So what should you do? So when this woman came to Elisha, Elisha said to her, what do you have? And she said, I don't have anything. I have nothing. So you can be a widow thinks you have nothing. That is where you must have God. If you have God, you've got everything. We used to sing this song, you've got the old world in his hands. He's got the old wide world in his hands. He's got the old world 
in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. If you've got God, and this God has the whole world in his hands, will he not cater for your need? Will he not clear your debt? So how do you go about this again? Seek God's face. Go to the Lord in prayer. Ask the Lord, how do you clear this debt? How do you sort this out? God can touch the heart of your creditors to cancel the debt. You never know what God can do. And God can raise people who may gather together to clear the debt. And God may open door for you to walk to be able to clear the debt. The first thing is, seek the Lord. And also, seek godly counsel. Seek counsel from people that are working with God. That wife of the prophet went to Elisha. Elisha was like a discipler to this young prophet. So Elisha said to her, go and gather your neighbors. Go to your neighbors, borrow empty jars from them. Now, the Lord is not saying to you that go and be borrowing money to clear debt. That is not what this is dealing with. No, that is not the plan of God for you. God is able to clear your debt without you borrowing another money and you continue to be in debt and it's like a circle of debt as you are coming out of one, you are in another. That is not the plan of God. So God says, go and borrow empty jars. The way I'm saying this also is learn wisdom from others. That is where going to seek godly counsel from godly people comes in. And the woman listened and she had many verses brought in and she poured oil and whatsoever. And at the end, Elisha said to her, go and send. So to clear the debt that your husband may have left behind, my means starting a petty trade, starting a little business, seek counsel from the Lord, seek counsel from godly elders, and the Lord will put you through. The Lord might lead you to start something small that you begin to clear your debt. Maybe your children have school fees to pay and you are finding it difficult. Talk to the Lord and seek counsel from elders. Sometimes it might mean changing schools. It might mean downgrading from a higher paying school to a lower paying school. Seek counsel. And another way that I also want us to look at this matter also is for a wife that is like um, the wife of a pastor, your husband passed away, how can you still find hope in the midst of it? Get grounded in the Lord. He is your Redeemer. Your Redeemer live it. Don't allow grief. Yes, you will grieve, you will mourn. But don't allow grief at mourning have the last say over your life. There is still purpose attached to your life. Get rooted Get grounded in the Lord. And another thing is, you see, Elisha told that woman, go and borrow vessels. Rather than allow your life to be all about what is happening now in your life, don't sorrow for long. Look at others that you can invest into. Are there other widows? Maybe it's just one widow. Why not bring her in? I said, do you have time? Let's read the Bible together. Let's pray together. Let's fellowship together. Before you know it, can't become three widows. Become four. And before you know it, you are pouring into their lives. And both of your life is becoming like a shining star to others around you. So actively ask the Lord, where do I borrow vessel from? It could be looking into the children's church. 
and invest in the life of children in your church. It can be anything. Just ask the Lord to show you how you can be useful in his hands despite the passage of your husband. And obviously, as a pastor's wife, that your husband has a church, you can talk with the leadership, the elders, and see what can be put in place, you know, for the smooth running of the church while your own spirituality also is doing well. So the whole idea that I'm saying here is don't suffer in silence. Speak out. Learn from others. Borrow ideas from others. And as you do so, I pray you will experience God as your Redeemer. Don't allow this season of widowhood make you a debtor to your generation. No. May you arise to pay all the debt that you owe your generation, both physical money and even in dispatching your purpose on earth. Don't think that is the end. There are women that are seeking wisdom from older women. There are young widows that are seeking wisdom from older widows. Your life can be of help to them. The little card that you may send out may be a means of hope for another widow. A little letter that you may send out may be a means of hope for another widow. A little inviting of a widow into your house for tea may be a means of hope for another widow. A calling another widow and say, come, I'm going through this podcast. Let's go through it together. Listen to day one. I will listen to day one. And let's talk over the phone, over what we've both taken. And let us pray. It could be how you may begin to pay up your debt. Your Redeemer live it. It is your husband that died, but no, you have a supreme husband who is able to comfort you, even in those moments of grief. And even when things look overwhelming, he is able to bail you out from the hands of your creditors, whatsoever these creditors might be. Amen.
Heavenly Father, thank you once again. I praise you, I honor, I exalt you. Speak to us in this series again, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to welcome you back to the Women in Revival podcast. It is my prayer that you will find this particular series a blessing. We are still on the series, Season of Widowhood, Lessons from Biblical Widows. We've looked at about five widows, Upper Ruth, Widow of Nain, the widow of Zarephath and the widow of the prophet last time. And it is my prayer that the life of these widows will be a challenge to you. You go and look at them in depth. You know, we are just scratching the face, isn't it? You go and do an in-depth study of these widows and many more in the Bible. Look at widows like Tamar and many others. And I pray the Lord will speak to you. If you missed any episode, go back to our website, oakofrighteousness.co.uk and if you need to contact us do use our contact us page to contact us our number is there you can contact us by calling text email or sending us whatsapp message it's plus four four seven nine four four three nine eight four one five so on this episode today we want to look at the widow in luke 18 the widow in luke 18 Finding defense in a defenseless society. You know, one of the challenges that widows face, particularly in the third world countries, is having no one to defend their case. Some are still waiting for gratuity, for entitlement, which has it come. And sometimes they are asked to bribe in order to get what belongs to them. And as a Christian widow, you can't bribe. You can't do anything unlawful. And you look defenseless. The encouragement God wants me to tell you today is, don't think you are defenseless. You have a defender. God is the defender of widows. So let's go to Luke chapter 18. And we will read it from verse 1 to verse 7. And I read. Let me read it this time again from the Good News Translation. It says, then Jesus told his disciples a parable to teach them that they should always pray and never become discouraged. In a certain town, there was a judge who neither feared God nor respected people. And there was a widow in that same town who kept coming to him and pleading for her rights, saying, help me against my opponent. For a long time, the judge refused to act. But at last he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect people, yet because of all the trouble this widow is giving me, I will see to it that she gets her rights. If I don't, she will keep on coming and finally weary me out. And the Lord continued, Listen to what that corrupt judge said. Now will God not judge in favor of his own people who cry to him day and night for help? Will he be slow to help them? Amen. So we see the story of this unjust judge, as the King James will call him. He was unjudged, but this woman had a need. And the only place a need could be met was with this unjust judge. And she kept going. She needed someone to defend her case. 
She said, avenge me of my adversary. That's how the King James says it. Defend me. I have opponents here and there. Help me against my opponent. And the judge was not God-fearing. So he would not respect her nor respect God. But this woman kept going, kept going. And eventually he felt, look, I better answer this woman because, because she's becoming a nuisance. And God says, imagine such a man, an unjust judge, a corrupt judge. If you could look at the affliction, the persistence of that woman, will I, the just judge, overlook you? Your God is the one that defends widows. Your husband's workplace may not have paid you all the gratuity or the, en the entitlement of your husband, but be rest assured, you have a God who can defend you. He is the defender of widows. Psalms 147 verse 3 says, He heals the broken in heart and he binds up their wounds. God is able to bind your wound. He is able to defend you in a defenseless society. Maybe you say, look, Deborah, you don't understand. You don't understand my country. This is a country where absolute power corrupts absolutely. And I'm saying, yes, I know. But there is a God who rules over the affairs of men. And that God is able to defend you. Maybe for you, it has to do with property. And maybe in-laws, friends, they are making life miserable for you. And you look vulnerable. You look open. God says, come to me. That woman kept going to that unjust judge. If she could be going to that unjust judge, even though the judge was irresponsible, how much more your judge, who is responsible, and who is ever ready to hear your cry? For you as a widow that is seeking the defense, what must you do? Seek your defense first in the presence of God. Psalms 91 comes to my mind. He that dwells in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. You have the Almighty as your God. Don't go defenseless. Go before him first. Pour out your heart. Pour out your concern unto him. Pour out the right of your husband that are rightly yours, but that you have been denied of. Let him know. Don't allow any seed of bitterness to spring out of you in this season. Go before God. Pour out your heart. Cry out in his presence. And he is able to hear you. That verse 7 says, Will God not judge in favor of his own people who cry to him day and night for help? The question is, who are you crying to for help? Maybe you have been going to judges. You have been going to um, all sorts of people to help you out. God says, the arms of flesh will fade. Woe to him that looked to Egypt for help. First look to the Lord. Cry to the Lord day and night. And if he is going to use anyone, he knows how to direct you to the right person to help. So in whatsoever situation you are faced now, maybe it's legal, maybe it's whatsoever, turn to the Lord, who is a defender of widows. And he will defend your case. He will defend your cause. Amen.
Women in United One week ago, we started a new series called Season of Widowhood. Our topic for today is to Anna, finding roots and a purpose in God. You've probably heard the story of Anna, the woman who saw Jesus and she blessed him, and she prophesied concerning him. And after he had left, all the people who came who were looking for salvation at the temple in Jerusalem, this woman told them the story of Jesus. Prophetess Anna was a widow, and that is one key fact about her. She had been a widow. We don't know for how many years she had been a widow, but we knew that she was married to her husband for seven years. Then he died, and then she became a widow. Some people think she was a widow for 84 years. Some people think that 84 was her age. But the main fact is she was a widow. And this woman wasn't a widow. She spent her time crying in and weeping over the fact that her husband had died. When her husband died, obviously she had her mourning period, but then she got up and she went to the temple and from then on, for a period of 84 years or maybe even longer, she was in the temple prophesying to the people who were there. She found purpose and root in God. And because she was there, because she decided to let go of her grief, of her anger, of her hurt, and find purpose in the Lord. She was able to see the baby Jesus. She was able to be one of the people who had the great opportunity of blessing that little child. I pray for all the widows listening that you will find roots and purpose in God. Not in grief, not in depression, not in anxiety, not in pain, not in hurt but that you will find purpose in the Lord. Diversion of you, and I'll take a further in this subject. Heavenly Father, thank you once again for Alpha You taking us through this series. Thank you for today, the last day of this series. We praise you, Lord. And it is my prayer that you will seal it up in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for joining with us to the end of this series, Season of Widowed, Lessons from Biblical Widows. We've learned one thing or another from these widows, and I'm praying that as a widow, you will find more time to glean from Bible characters, particularly women who journeyed the path that you are journeying now as a widow. If you have missed any of this series, go back to our website, www.okofrighteousness.co.uk. Our contact us page have every necessary information that you need to contact us. Do feel free to contact us. Please don't do life by yourself. Do contact us. Maybe you have a need of a community. Do let us know and we will see how to connect you appropriately. So on this series, Season of Widowhood, Lessons from Biblical Widows. We are closing the series today as we look at Prophetess Anna, Anna, the daughter of Anuel. I'm praying that as we look at her life again, you will find encouragement even in the life of Anna. Prophetess Anna, finding root and purpose in God. You know, that title, Prophetess, first and foremost, tells us something deep 
about the life of Anna. A prophetess is someone who talks to God, who God also talks to, isn't it? Someone that commune with God on behalf of people and someone that God passed through to communicate to the people. So that tells me Anna was a woman who had a deep relationship with the Lord. So we can't be talking about the life of Anna today as we close the series without challenging you to take your personal devotion serious. You cannot be a widow with a difference without taking your personal devotion with the Lord serious. You might be telling me, Deborah, I'm very busy for the Lord. I'm doing this. I actually have about a thousand widows that I'm ministering to. That is beautiful. If ministering to these widows is coming out of your own personal work with God, bravo. There should be no ministry that should take the place of your prayer time and of your time in the world with your husband, God, from you. Anna, the daughter of Fanue, was a prophetess. And I said, that speaks volume. And I pray that as we look at the life of Anna today, you will also find your root and your purpose in God. Just as Anna found root and purpose in the triune God. Luke chapter 2, verse 36 to 38 is where we are going to settle on this episode as we close this series. And it says, And there was one Anna, a prophetess, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asa, she was of a great age and had lived with an husband seven years from her virginity. And she was a widow of about four score and four years. We departed not from the temple, but served God with fastings and prayers night and day. And she coming in that instant gave thanks likewise unto the Lord and spake of him to all them that looked for redemption in Israel. This is beautiful. Let me quickly read the Good News translation. There was a very old prophet, a widow named Anna, daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She had been married for only seven years and was now 84 years old. She never left the temple day and night. She worshipped God, fasting and praying. That very same hour, she arrived and gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were waiting for God to set Jerusalem free. So this was when Jesus was brought to the temple to be dedicated. And looking at this scripture, we are meeting Anna, who was a widow. I love the way both um, King James and Good News describe her. The Good News says there was a very old prophet, a widow. So she was first a prophet, that is, and walk with God was the first priority. What defined Anna was not a widowed. What defined her was her inner life, her personal work with a maker. And if you are going to be that widow that will thrive, that widow that will fulfill the purpose of God, that widow that will fit into all we have discussed in this series, this is very, very important. The need to find your root in God. Man will change, to be honest. Human being changes every now and then. Our world changes every now and then. The only one who changes not is God. So there is a need to get connected even into God. 
just as Anna got herself connected with God. So what defined her was first our God and not a season of widowhood. So then we are told she was a widow and that she was from the tribe of Asher. Now this was one of the lost tribe of Israel. And it's amazing that out of that lost tribe, we are meeting a woman who never allowed even a family background to define her. Rather, her relationship with God was what formed her identity. And we are told that she was married for seven years and then she became a widow and until she was age 84, according to this good news. So she was serving the Lord in the temple. Why do you think she was serving the Lord? She was serving the Lord she loved even from the days of her marriage to her husband. Remember, she was a prophetess. She was a woman that communed with God and God talked to her back. So she was serving God. How? In fasting and in praying. So we are meeting a widow who did not allow a widowhood to define her. Instead, she allowed even God to be the one that defined her life. She found her root in God and she fulfilled purpose through God. In verse 38, we are told that she also came to the temple giving thanks to God and then she began to talk to people those who were looking forward to redemption in Israel. So that tells you that Anna was a woman who was an evangelist. She was sharing the gospel with others who were seeking. And that also tells you that Anna was a woman in communion, in fellowship with other like-minded people. Because that verse 38 says, she spoke of him, that is, she spoke of the Lord Jesus to all them that looked for redemption in Jerusalem. Those who were waiting for God, she shared the gospel. She told them. So for you to find your root and to fulfill the purpose of God for your life as a widow, there is the need again, the company you keep. You need the fellowship of like-minded women, of like-minded people. And I'm praying that the Lord will help you to evaluate your relationship as a widow? Are there relationships that are helping you to love the Lord more? Or are there relationships that are pulling you away and away from the Lord? I'm praying that your widowhood will not mar your life, but rather it will bring you closer to your maker and you will find life relevance, you will find purpose, even in God. Whatsoever is the challenge that is facing you in this season of widowhood, Maybe it's loneliness. I want you to know that you can find comfort. You can find company in God. And there are many sisters whom you can fellowship with. Don't let your loneliness begin to take you to a man that you are not married to. It is dangerous. Like I said, set boundary for yourself. Don't call a man and be sharing your emotional need with a man. It is dangerous. I'm praying the Lord will help you. He will sustain you. And at the end, your widowhood will add on the gospel of our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. If you need to contact us, do feel free to give us a call on plus 44 Amen. <laughs>